Welcome to the Generation Y Conservative Podcast. I'm glad that you could join us tonight. Last night was uh, an S show, to put it lightly, okay? Uh, we went through the debate between Donald Trump, and President Trump and, and Vice President Joe Biden. And uh, if you happen to catch my pre-debate show on what was to be expected, what the candidates should be doing to try and beat each other, uh, it, it was a no-holds-bar, all-out fight, and uh, somehow they didn't cross the stage to actually wallop each other <laughs> in this instance. But it was an interesting situation, and some of the topics that were brought up, I felt, are very pertinent to what's going on with the interview that I'm actually holding today. Uh, some of the issues that were brought up were in regards to how the past administration handled the military and veterans, and how how President Trump currently is handling the military and veterans. And I'm so excited to have someone with me tonight to discuss these issues and actually dive into politics. So if you've actually seen any of his other interviews on YouTube or if you search for him in the near future and you're looking for things, you may not run into this and run into his political views, but he's actually willing to share those with me tonight. So I'm extremely excited to have him on tonight. He is a veteran. He is a current MMA fighter. Shane Crutchin, thank you for joining me on the Generation Y Conservative Podcast. Thanks for being here tonight. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Shane, before we get started into uh, maybe the political realm, why don't you give me your kind of, just give me your story, uh, especially in regards to, uh, let's go back to, I don't know, let's say high school. What, what got you into the military? What was your set off point that kind of drew you there? Actually, you have to rewind a lot further than high school. Um, Go for gotta, it. Go yeah, for it. You, you got to rewind all the way back to the Gulf War. Um, I remember okay. I was old enough to cognitively remember the Gulf War on TV with all the green tracers shooting through the sky. And, you know, I knew at yeah. that moment, I was like, yo, I want to be in, I want to be, you know, in the military, or military, military. Uh, my family comes from a deep lineage of military. I come from, you know, deep rooted military in the Midwest. And, you know, you, you country before self, 100% of the time, people will, you know, sacrifice everything. Uh, you know, it's still good, homegrown America. Well, I knew that. And I remember the victory parades uh, coming down Main Street in Amaro, Wisconsin. And they were coming down Main Street. And I remember looking at this guy on his tank. And I was like, yo, that's going to be me. That is going to be me. My mom's like, Shh, quiet, you know, just calm down. Um, I ended up joining JROTC. Uh, I was totally gun ho. I was all military, military, military. Um, got into high school. I did pretty well. I, I fared very well with wrestling. Had a scholarship uh, offer for, for college wrestling. And uh, junior year of high school, you know, it was during wrestling season. September 11th happened. Um, you know, I, I, remember, mm -hmm. I remember it very vividly. I walked into world history class, second period uh, in, the, in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I walked in and there it is on the TV, man. You know, those old TVs on the cart and I'm watching the World Trade Center burn. Uh, I remember very vividly the original World Trade Center actually being hit, um, you know, and bombed in the yeah. basement. And I was like, oh, I remember that building. And, uh, you know, that's when the second plane hit. I was still in world history class. At that moment, I knew that, you know, the country I love, the country I grew up in, the country my children's children and children's are going to grow up in needed to be protected. I ran down to the guidance counselor, you know, kind of the world was going in chaos at that moment. Um, and I, I said, hey, what do I got to do to graduate this year? And he looks at me, Mr. Resop was his name. And he said, 
He said, what are you talking about? And I go, I'm graduating, man. I'm going to the military. It's time for war. And I was, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, 16, you know, young, dumb, and, uh, you know, just not all there. And uh, he goes, you got a scholarship, man. You know, think about it. Let's, let's talk about it. I said, no, you're telling me right now what I'm doing to get out of high school because I'm joining the military. Now, mind you, I had never even talked to a recruiter at this moment. Um, you know, I was supposed to go to college and everything. So I, w- I went down, he told me exact classes I had to do. I was only like five to six classes, but I had to forego my senior year. I had to forego my college scholarship. I had to give up a lot of stuff, uh, you know, mm. and it was okay with me. Uh, I ended up going to my wrestling coach and quitting wrestling that day. I quit wrestling. I quit everything. And I said, Hey, I'm only lifting weights and I'm getting in the military. And, uh, you know, we went outside, there was a few guys in, the, in my class and, and the underclassmen that went outside, we lowered the flag to half mass. We all got suspended. Uh, well, sorry, they threatened to suspend us for lowering the flag to half mass after the uh, towers fell. Absolute joke, right? Um, and, and that fueled me even further. And I remember going down and talking to the recruiter. Recruiter said, hey, you gotta be 17. So I graduated high school when I was 17, or sorry, 16. Two days later, I turned 17. Three days after that, I left for boot camp. Boom, the rest is history. You know, I, I served my country very Jeez. proud in the military. Um, you know, I was a Purple Heart recipient, um, combat veteran at 17 years old. Um, as, as, uh, as far as I've been informed, I'm the second youngest Purple Heart recipient of the Iraq War. Uh, and then I had my 18th birthday more than two and a half months later, had my 18th birthday in downtown Baghdad. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I, I have a quick question, actually, uh, just kind of going backtracking just a little bit because you don't get these stories very often when you're on the East Coast like myself. Now, I was actually in my freshman year of college when the World Trade Center was hit. And I was down in Philadelphia. And these things were happening in New York, right to the north of me. You had the plane hit the Pentagon to the south of me. And then out in Western PA to the west of me is Flight 93. And it was, for me, it was kind of insane. All this stuff was happening all around me. What was it like for someone like you out in the middle of the country? Was there a similar type feeling? Because all the planes were grounded immediately uh, once things really started hitting the fan. What was it like being out in the middle of the country? Did Was there a sense because of the chaos that there could be something happening near you too at that point in time? Was there any type of that chaos as well? Absolutely. So I don't know if you know, um, 96, 97% of the military's uh, vehicles are all manufactured in Oshkosh. Oshkosh truck manufactures (laughs) all the military vehicles. Um, You know, we're talking everything from the PLSs to just, you name it, even the MRAPs that later came out further on. Um, So, you know, my whole town was, you know, they freaked out. They instantly got scared holy crap, we're going to get bombed, you know, da, 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 da. And, uh, you know, all heck's going to break loose. And, uh, you know, people got scared, man. And uh, I remember there's this, uh, right by my high school, there's a Shell gas station. And the Shell gas station had a four and a half hour line waiting for gasoline. Uh, uh, People got in trouble in Wisconsin. So they started price gouging. Gas went from $2 or $1.30 or $1.40 a gallon. Um, it shot up. They put it at $7 a gallon and people were paying it, man. They were, they were filling their tanks. Yeah. I remember I had a, I had a 1973 F 100 pickup truck and 
I had $20 left and I ran to the gas station, a different part of the uh, county that I knew was rural and there wasn't be nobody out there other than farming, farming people. And I rolled in and put $20 and I was like, oh, I don't know if I have enough gas. Um, you know, it, it was, it was, it was chaos, man. And, and, you know, the fear was real. Yeah. Uh, a lot of my friends, a lot of my family all worked at Oshkosh truck, um, you know, and, and Oshkosh truck immediately closed doors. They immediately evacuated the buildings. Uh, we have one of the largest air shows, EAA experimental aircraft association in Oshkosh. And, uh, you know, they grounded that airport quicker than all get out. Um, the national guardsmen went on high alert. It was kind of nuts. Uh, you know, being from a, such a small town, but such a small town that has such an important role in the military. So yeah, I mean, we felt it. Uh, it was it was pretty get pretty uh, immediate, um, and they you know just yeah, people got scared. It's 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 always fascinating to me to hear people's. You have your you have your war stories and everything too, but uh, it's just to hear what people around the country and and for that matter around the world were feeling that day just seeing what was happening on the yep. tv um so uh, let's obviously you served your time in the military uh your story really highlights in all the interviews that you've done what happens after you got out of the military so why don't you bring me through that story and how you've handled that and kind of pursued this helping veterans with, with their issues. So go ahead and, and with that. Yeah. So I was medically released and retired out of the Marine Corps in 2005 uh, under the Bush administration. Um, I didn't really seek help, man. I, I, I thought, you know, I got this, I'm a, you know, strong will, strong minded individual. Um, when Obama got into office, you know, he was promising like it was, it, it was kind of like that dangling the carrot, right? Oh, come back to the VA. Everything's mm -hmm. great. They were calling me and I was like, oh, okay, I'll give it a shot. Um, you know, I went back to the VA, man, and uh, it, it, it drove me to suicide. Like, I, I, I just plain and simple, man. I, uh, they, they overdrugged me. Um, they drugged the crap out of me. Um, you know, unfortunately, under the Biden-Obama era, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but executive orders were signed by Biden-Obama and uh, they took faith-based treatment out of the VA and out of the DOD. And they, they signed this mm. like relatively within months of getting into office. Uh, you know, the, the veteran suicides under the Bush administration, Clinton administration, Bush administration, uh, Bush senior administration was 16 a day. When Biden Obama signed this executive order taking faith-based treatment out of the VA and the DOD, veteran suicides within three years shot to 22 a day. So if you know of today's, you know, realm and you always hear of, you know, 22 veterans a day, like let's do 22 push-ups. Uh, right. Yeah. First of all, I think my personal belief, I think that's absolutely dumb. People need to stop doing push-ups, pick up the phone and call your battle buddy, call a military veteran. A push-up ain't saving a damn life. A phone call, mm -hmm. an email, a hit them up. That's going to save the life. And I'm a firm believer in that. You know what I mean? Uh, Dakota Meyer, Medal of Honor recipient, Marine Corps veteran, always says, own your dash. You're guaranteed life and you're guaranteed death, right? But there's that dot, that dash yep. in between. You have to own that. And I live that every day. So, you know, getting, you know, going from the suicide and kind of navigating my water to, you know, like you asked about giving back to veterans, man. You know, after my attempt at suicide, I realized that I need to do something. The DEA agent that found me dead 
literally in my own feces, my own vomit, sat and looked at me and he goes, what are you doing? And I went, whoa, what do you mean? And he's like, you are letting your brothers down. That was the most prolific, prolific, like slap in the face if you can get one. And right. I said, you know, he's got a point. And, uh, you know, I, a couple of days later, I called my buddy. I got a tattoo down my back of all 19 guys I served that were killed in action. Um, their names, their ranks, the date they were KIA. And, uh, you know, I instantly knew that from that day forward, I wasn't taking, I wasn't taking my eyes off the prize. The prize is saving every veteran I possibly can save or inspiring everyone I can possibly inspire. Um, I still do that to this day. I give back as much as I can. I've donated my purses from fights to uh, wounded veterans. I give free privates to wounded veterans. And now, and now I've expanded and I give privates and training lessons to veterans, to law enforcement officers. And I, I just, I, I feel as though I was put on this earth for a reason. And, you know, I was able to, you know, there's a reason I gave up my college scholarship to go to the military. There's a reason why I was hurt. There's a, everything is categorically in place. I don't know why, but I just follow that step, you know, and, and I believe God puts this in front of me to know um, my path. And, uh, you know, I was, I was lucky enough uh, throughout this journey to, you know, now I've, I've had a, you know, unfortunately a failed uh, political campaign. I've ran, I've, I've had a, a congressional run, but now I've worked for congressmen. I've, I've spoken in DC. I've been able to speak and be able to be an inspiration to these veterans and, and people worldwide. So like, you know, it's just, it's crazy when one bad, you know, apple can ruin the bunch. Some people just sit there and eat the bad apples the rest of their life. I couldn't stop. I still can't stop climbing to the top of that mountain and, and trying to find the promised land. And, you know, I haven't found the top yet. Uh, my wife says sometimes I spread myself way too thin, um, but God bless her. And, and, and she is a, she is a beautiful soul because without her, man. And, and, and wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a woman that without her, I, I, wouldn't be able to give back the way I do, nor be able to speak to people like you and, and, and hopefully talk to somebody and, and they hear my story and get inspired. Awesome. So was it, are you still currently involved in the wounded warrior project or was that something that was temporary that I saw in the interview for that point in time? What's your involvement with that now? Yeah. Um, so I'm still friends with a lot of the Wounded Warrior Project staff. Um, I was okay. on the national campaign team. I think I, I still am. I still get their emails. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, they, they've really downsized uh, since the BS scandal came out. Uh, Wounded Warrior Project did a lot of really good stuff for me and for millions of veterans. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, some BS came out from a, a, a you know, super leftist website. And in, unfortunately, it, it crippled uh, the organization, uh, money laundering and all this stuff. A third party investigation proved them all innocent. And, and so I don't get it. I remember you know, that. Yeah. And it's really sad because I know the people that literally were used as the fall man for that article. And unfortunately, it crushed them, um, you know, and, and all they've done and all they ever did was give, give, give. Um, and they, they didn't live vicariously like, you know, any beyond their means with their with a donor's money. It, it's, it's all a sham. Um, unfortunately, uh, I don't have enough time to give back. Uh, I would love to give back more um, in that realm. I do a lot of stuff with Team Semper Fi, the Doc Jacobs Foundation, uh, Alliance Eastlake Foundation. So, you know, I, I give back to whoever, whoever has the availability or the need for me. Unfortunately, right now, the Wounded Warrior Project uh, doesn't really 
they're not uh, doing much due to COVID-19, due to the restrictions in California. Yeah. So I, I've been kind of doing remotely. And as you can see on my social media, I've been doing a lot in DC and Michigan and in all these other different states, not really too much here with dictator Newsom because you know he's, he's got his thumb on everything and wants to own the world. Uh, well, just between, uh, between you and me, I know the project that you just currently worked on. And uh, I, all I'll say about that is I can't wait to see the finished product on it because yeah, I. Uh, I know it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, going, you brought up a couple things I actually really wanted to talk to you about. I forgot about the, uh, about you living in California. I do want to ask you about that in a second, but one of the interesting thing is, uh, my question about the wounded warrior project actually was leading me towards something you just answered for me, which is when you're talking about helping out veterans and trying to lead, uh, in the right direction to help veterans as a citizen, uh, the organizations to look for. You rattled off a, a few there, but also prior to that, you were talking about pick up the phone, call your buddy and everything. And one of the issues I see with that is a lot of times veterans don't want to talk to people who aren't veterans, who aren't serving, because it's, here's a good comparison. I, I think it's a good comparison. Maybe I'm full of crap. I don't know. I had cancer. If someone comes up to me and says to me, I understand what you went through and they never had cancer. I'm like, no, thank no. you for your concern. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, you have no idea what I went through with it, but thank you for showing your concern. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, they all know what the hell they're talking about. I can only imagine that that's probably along the same lines of how veterans feel when citizens are like, I'm here for you. I know what you're feeling. Am, am I right in that? And and if so, how can, how can, uh, how can you reach out to veterans that you know if you haven't served in the military and, and try to help, try to help them back on a path to recovery of any kind that, that you may have gone through or that other veterans struggle with. You know, and it, it was great point. Great, great uh, topic. Um, you know, I, I've dealt with this for years. In the beginning, I was like, you know, boop, you know, gave them a number one and told them, you know, don't talk to me. Don't even, you know, don't bring it up to me. You need, you don't know anything. You've never been there. You've never smelled what I've smelled. You've never, you know, uh, honestly, man, you know, some of the best things that I got is I got, you know, a lot, I got a lot of Marines um, that constantly hit me up. Like they see a weird post or some weird wording. Um, you know, a lot of yep. people, man, they just slide in my DMS and not in a creepy way, which is really cool. Cause if they did that, I really expect them to do it. Cause they're Marines or military for that matter. But you know, they always ask and they're, they're like, Hey, are you good? You know, what's good, bro. You know um, you know, one, you know, I think there was a time that I would have an issue. Um, one of my best friends now uh, you know, his dad's purple heart recipient just passed away last week from Vietnam. And uh, you know, he just passed and, you know, I reached out to him and I said, yo, I don't know what you're going through with your father because I, I still have my parents, but I know what it's like to lose somebody super close to you. I said, hey, I can't relate, but I'm here. And if you need me, I'm here. I think that's the best way any person can reach to a military guy. We have signs. We scream when we're hurting. We scream like from the top of mountaintops when we're hurting and we have pain. We show it self uh self-indulgence in alcohol in drugs in in crazy behaviors if we're doing two things like little risque a little too far or 
you know, I do risque crap all the time. So don't ever think like my stuff's over the top, but some veterans like <laughs> go from being a hermit to going skydiving. I'm sorry. That's screaming. Something's going on. And it, I'm not saying it's suicide. I'm not saying anything like that, but it, that's like, you want to sit them down. You want to be like, Hey bro, let's talk. Worst case, find another veteran that you know in your neighborhood or that you're friends with any veteran will talk to another veteran and sometimes some mm -hmm. veterans will talk to anybody but find that veteran that you can be like hey come over here can you please talk to this this dude's my friend facebook's a heck of a good uh connector nowadays boom boom boop, place two people together um i got people that reach out to me um probably weekly now it used to be almost every day luckily you know it, it hasn't been so it's a good sign but uh, they're like, hey, my friend so-and-so or my ex-husband or my boyfriend or, you know, is having these issues. I don't know what's going on. Here's his phone number. I've reached out to dudes before and they're like weirded out for a hot second, but they get over it. You know, and, it, and it, yeah. that's the best part to do. I actually, I get what you're saying because, um, again, relating it to my experience with the cancer and everything, I had people reach out to me with their that their loved ones were dealing with cancer and they said to me do you mind if i have them call you if they if they need someone to talk to them? i'm like absolutely i don't know them at all but yeah. i would be happy to talk to them about what they're going through you know empathy and everything so i get what you're saying there um I brought up one thing i i just had a question for you in regards to that oh yeah actually if you don't want to answer this, this is fine. But I, I do want to ask a question. In an, a lot of the interviews that you, I watched of you and everything, uh, I think it was a Wounded Warrior Project one. You uh, basically <laughs> were you, you were like living at the beach or something in your car yeah. at one point in time. Yeah. And um, yeah. <laughs> and and that's kind of where you were hitting your rock bottom, right? My question, my question to you is: You just mentioned before that your parents are still alive. Did did they have any idea of what you were going through at the time? Nobody did. Um, nobody. I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell anybody. I literally. I had a gym membership at Twenty Four Hour Fitness, so I could shower. Um, and and I know this sounds grotesque, but I would literally bring my clothes to the jacuzzi and dip them in real quick, and that was my wash machine. Um, it was funny. I think a few people at the gym knew what I was going through. Um, one guy in particular, Joe Duarte, an army ranger, um, one of my lifelong best friends now, uh, he could tell, you know, something wasn't driving and used to invite me over to his house and be like, oh, I got dinner. Oh, you know, I'm like, he's like, oh, you should stay over for lunch. You know, and I'm like, hey, he would never say, hey, bro, you're sleeping here. He would never like ask me, but he'd be like, hey, you got to do laundry, dude? Just hang out, eat some lunch and oh, let's go throw your stuff in the wash machine. I'm like, Okay. You know, so obviously I think he knew, but you know, the way the veterans talk to one another, right? Like we're not going to call you out for your wrongdoings or, or right. your miss or your, or your fall shorts in life. We're going to say, Hey, we got, oh, we got this, this, and this. And it's like the next best thing, right? It's like, it's like, look, OxyClean, you know, and it, it just cleans it, you know, and it goes from OxyClean to that damn stick tape, you know, and, but it's, it, right. it's like that. And that's, we try to sell that new idea to your fellow veteran. Um, but that's the way that we are, you know? Um, 
And like my yeah. wife says, she says, one of the best reasons and the most reason that I'm absolutely over head over heels in love with you is your caringness for all and your caringness for others. Even though you walk around like you want to kill the world and the world doesn't matter to you. Like you see somebody literally on the side of the road and you pull over and help them change your tire. And it's like, but that's the kind of person I am. That's how I was raised. I was raised that, you know, you give what you have until you have no more. And then you give even more. And, you know, if I'm six feet up and not six feet down, I have more than enough to give. Um, you know, I, I, I know there's a guy in my gym that I'm actually really good friends with that I know that nobody else knows because I can see the signs that he's living in his car. And I purposely, I have him mm. house sit and I'm like, hey, can you watch my house? You know, like, he's like, oh yeah, yeah. And I was like, use my pool. Oh, here's all my, here's my food. You know, and I, I like, I make him stay at my house. Um, you know, great kid. Uh, he's young, he's like 22, 23, but that's, that's the age I was doing this at. I give him all my clothes from sponsors, from, you know, like how it's her closing, uh, sent me a bunch of stuff. I get, this kid's got a wardrobe uh, of so many military shirts. I, 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 people probably think he served in the military, but that's just, you know, that's just how we are. And that's, I think that's the best way to be is just always able to give back, man. And even though I was living in my car, eating a pizza a week, like I never lost hope or drive to always know I deserved better. Right. Well, listen, uh, for those of you that are listening to this interview right now, uh, that happen to be listening to it on the radio, uh, we are going to continue this interview on the YouTube channel, the Generation Y Conservative. So if you are interested in listening, please go over to the uh, YouTube channel, the Generation Y Conservative. Subscribe while you're there. Hit the bell for notifications. You can watch the rest of Shane's interview there. You can also catch some of the other interviews that I did. And also uh, go to the Facebook page, uh, the Generation Y Conservatives, and hit like on that. And also on Twitter, it's at Gen Y Conservative without the E on the end to follow along with me there as well. And uh, we'll continue the interview there then. So Shane, what I want to get into here is um, what I think is really important and I, I, I can see is one of your missions is reintegration of veterans into society, into the civilian life again, and what that entails, what, what veterans may be returning right now or they're struggling it seems, it seems like the overall messaging is that they're looking for a purpose like they had while they were serving, which is it's, it's, it's exactly what you were just basically alluding to right there about if, you, if you're you know, six feet above the ground instead of below it, that you're here to serve other people, that you're here to be there for people. So how is it best to push veterans to find their new purpose uh, outside the military then? You know, the best thing is, is, <laughs> and I, I'm guilty of this, so I'm going to call every veteran out right now. Stop socking. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop. Nobody cares. All that cares is you care about you. You are your best support group and you are your best friend. That is something I didn't know. I had to get that drilled in my head. You know, uh, there's a few people that drill that in my head in different ways. Tim Kennedy, I got Dakota Meyer, I got Florin Gruberg, I just Vincent Vargas. Like it keeps going. Like my list, it, these guys are all acquaintances. You know, Mike Simpson, 
it, it just goes and goes. You're talking Rangers, you're talking snipers, you're talking Green Berets, the best of the best. And their messaging is all the same. Maybe it's a little different. Maybe it's tweaked a little different. Everybody's got their own little thing. You know, Nick Palomino from, from Ranger Up, you know, Tom Amita from Ranger Up. These guys are all inspirations. And I am proud to call these guys friends and be able to call them and be able to, you know, reach out. But it's it's crazy when you're when you're, you know, you're sitting there and you first get out, you don't have any direction, you don't know what to do, you know, and these veterans, some of them you know, seem to th- seem entitled. Hey, I served my country. Mm. Give me a job. Hey, I served my country. Give me free housing. No, pick up your boots, pull up your big boy pants and make it happen for yourself. That is something I personally felt trapped to when I first got out. I was an entitled little asshole and it led me to failure. But as soon as I stopped feeling entitled, it progressed and made me just skyrocket through the roof. Um, and now I'm, gosh darn, 15 years into skyrocketing, man. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, but, you know, one thing I, I had to do, and I fell into mixed martial arts. I'm very blessed to have fallen into mixed martial arts. I'm very blessed to have the opportunity to train with the people I train with. Um, I didn't know anything about fighting, man. I've been in some scraps. I've been in some brawls and possibly allegedly some bar fights but you know when i fell into it man you you need to so it's almost like drugs right when you get off of drugs you need to find something to replace that addiction and now most people find a healthy thing to replace the addiction military is the same way man military is an addiction you need to find something healthy to replace it the mixed martial arts whether you do everything as mma or you do boxing, wrestling, jujitsu. I highly recommend wrestling, jujitsu. Why? Because it is a family and you feel that family camaraderie into any gym instantly. Heck, in jujitsu, you pick up rank just like you do in the Marine Corps, you know, and it's like, so, mm. or the military for that matter. So, you know, it's, it's finding that healthy balance and finding what, what is your drive? And, and, you know, uh, as I was told, I, I went and did a unit visit a couple weeks ago and I, I walked into the unit and the sergeant I actually met in Bahrain um, overseas. I met him last November on my tour for the troops. And, uh, you know, and I, I text him and he happens to be at San Mateo, my old my old part of Camp Pendleton. And I rolled in and he's texting me. He's like, hey, roll down to the soccer field, bro. I rolled down there. There's 30 dang Marines there. And I was like, Whoa, wasn't expecting this. And he goes, get over here. You're going to listen to this guy. And I'm like, and he goes, he goes, it's not every day you get a guy over here. And I was wearing a collar shirt. He goes, a guy over here with a collar shirt, tattoo shown and a mullet. But this guy is a bad mofo. And I was like, what? Like, whoa, don't build me up, man. Um, but he goes, he, and then, you know, I got to speak to these guys and I had to do it on the fly. I didn't know I was supposed to speak. And then he wanted a whole speech. But I, what I said is you need to know your why. That is something I live every day with. Every day I wake up, like I don't sleep eight hours, man. I am busy and I am productive till the minute I go to sleep. I try to get at least four hours of sleep. The minute I'm up, I run three to five miles every single day. I do that, why? Mm. Because it pushes me and it makes me realize that my brothers are pushing me and I'm gonna be in shape. And then after that, I work, I own a company, I push forward, I, I, I'm on phone calls because the East Coast is awake. I have to be on 
constant communications with the East Coast over here in California. So, you know, you, finding your why is the most important thing you can do once you get out of the Marine Corps or sorry, any branch of service. I keep calling it Marine Corps, but once you get out of the service is finding your why. And the why is every guy, woman, man and woman that served that flag that we swore to protect, you know, from every enemy, foreign and domestic, that is our why. Our why is to make sure that flag flies above with 50 stars and, stri and 13 stripes every day. That is my why. And I will make sure that thing mm -hmm. flies high and my daughter is able to go to school and able to live life on unadulterated like half the left is trying to do these days. That's my why. And every, every veteran, please, if you need a why, I'm more than glad to help you. Reach out to me on social media, Instagram, whatever. And I'd love to help you find your why. There's tons of whys. I'm willing to hand them out for free. <laughs> well, while, while you're talking about that, I usually ask this at the end, but if, if someone is looking to reach out to you, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, Instagram is the best. Instagram, um, it, my PR manager, uh, always make sure I get all of my uh, messages, uh, anything, anything, it all comes to me. She makes sure of it. Um, but that's war, W-A-R underscore Rhino, war Rhino. It's super simple. Um, and uh, on Facebook, it's Shane Crutchin MMA. Uh, you know, it's super easy. And then on Twitter, it's S Crutchin MMA. You know, it's, it's nothing hard. I made sure it's not hard um, for the reason, for the simple reason that I, I just want to make sure that anybody can get a hold of me. So, you know, my stuff isn't private. I don't care. I, I, I love and invite conversation. I love and invite, you know, people reaching out for help. Awesome. Okay, so let's get into uh, some of the MMA stuff and, and kind of what it's done for you as your release, finding your why. And also um, <laughs> just... What what has this led to for you? I guess you could say. I mean, it, it's obviously this was kind of your it was your therapy, right? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, um, I I actually I actually got the uh, I actually got my first fight by pure accident. Um, I was at a bar <laughs> and I was drinking, and a guy walked up to me and goes goes Hey, you look like a big dude. And I was like, Yeah, what's well, about it? You know, like so stupid. Like now that I look back, and he goes. I'll give you a $500 bar tab. You get in there and fight. I was like, let's do this. <laughs> I got in, I got in, man. And I, I, I ended up taking the fight. Um, I, I won. It was a three round, 15 minute fight. Um, you know, you're you fast forward 15 years later. Hey, what's going on, man. I'm fighting for Bellator, like the top, one of the top leagues in the world. Like um, I am blessed to be where I'm at. Uh, you know, it's been, it hasn't been without tears. It hasn't been without bloodshed and it hasn't been without a lot of, uh, you know, sacrifices, uh, personal, uh, emotional friendships. I've lost a lot in my uh, career, but it's also led me to uh, some of the best uh, people in my life. Uh, one of the matches that I watched to uh, catch up on you was you fighting uh, a, a superior officer of yours. Is that correct? <laughs> oh, man. Jeremy <laughs> Mahone, uh, Madison Square Garden. Um, yeah, so... Uh, actually, so he was a staff NCO with, uh, with one five. Um, and I was in okay. three, five, uh, we served at the identical times. Um, but we were in different battalions, uh, or sorry, uh, yeah, Got it. Okay. battalions, same regiment. Um, 
you know, and, and they kept saying, oh, latrine duty. And I, it was the dumbest commentary. I love it. Uh, Ray Seppel's a great <laughs> man. Uh, you know, Ray Seppel got some crap for that online, uh, you know, but, you know, Jeremy and I are actually really good friends uh, to this day. Um, you know, we, uh, we, we go back and forth. I, you know, I've been to his gym since our fight. I've, I've flown out to Texas and, and hung out with him. Um, you know, it's amazing, dude. It's uh, this sport, uh, you know, it, it causes a lot of heartache, but man, I've made some of the best people. I've met more people through the sport of MMA than I ever have in my life. Um, you know, I travel all over the country and I'm able to train anywhere, uh, full invitations. When I start, when I start posting that I'm in like certain cities, people are like, <gasps> like, yo, come through my gym. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, uh, I came for a vacation with my wife. My wife hates when I go, when I go train on vacation. So sometimes, sometimes I sneak away. Um, you know, I have to be like, Oh babe, you want to go get your nails done? Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's cool, man. It's a, it's a good experience, you know, but Jeremy, Jeremy was a good one at, uh, uh Madison square garden on new year's Eve. Yeah. That was a great fight. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, okay. So let's get into, cause you, you've been, uh, you've been touching on politics a little bit throughout this whole thing. I got to ask you, what the hell are you thinking living out in California at this point in time? <laughs> uh, Is it like a don't give up mentality or what? Bro, I am a diehard asshole. No, um, yeah, it's a uh, dude. I don't. Good question. So my wife, my amazing wife, her entire family, um, everybody is uh, in Arizona. Um, and my family is uh, slim and few, but they're all in Wisconsin and Florida. Holy crap, what am I doing here? Um, I'm only here for my daughter. Uh, if my daughter's mother did not live in California, I would sell my house tomorrow for as cheap as possible just to get the hell out of here. Um, I have a 10-year plan. My daughter turns, uh, you know, she turns seven on Monday. Um, I got a 10-year plan. I really... I want to get out of here, man. As soon as, as soon as possible. Um, I, I, geez, man, I, I can't wait. You may have just listed the only reason to stay in California that I would find excusable. <laughs> there is nothing so else. What if, um, I'm going broke. <laughs> no. Are you, are you down in uh, what is it? San Diego? Yeah. I'm in East County, Area? San Diego. Luckily I'm in a red district that's held by a, a Republican um, I think that's my only, uh, savior. The mayor in my city is, uh, is Republican. And, uh, yeah, I think that's the only reason why I live here. Interesting. So my sister lives, uh, my younger sister lives near Los Angeles and I see craziness. I, I know people that uh, live out in California. I have people that travel out there to visit family that take pictures in like the, transportation areas i don't know if it's subways out there or metro or whatever of people just shooting up right there on the sidewalks defecating all over the place i mean is it as crazy in san diego area as it is in like the san francisco los angeles area um districts uh you know there's certain areas man um we had one of the largest hepatitis outbreaks in the state here in san diego oh uh, right I'm talking blocks from the busy downtown, um, blocks away. So it was absolutely in, insane that, uh, you know, that was happening. It was one of the largest hepatitis outbreaks. Uh, they actually have, my friend owns uh, a company and his, 
all the homeless are getting pushed out of downtown and they keep pushing them out of, so they're shutting down like these homeless shelters and they're pushing them all out into the rate, into people's homes. Um, and if you live on the outskirts of downtown, there's the five freeway that literally cuts off uh, an area called Golden Hill, uh, which was all the old Victorian style homes that always overlooked downtown. Well, they started shutting down all these homeless shelters, pushing them all into Golden Hill, and it just destroyed the area. Um, home values have plummeted. Um, you know, you see shanty towns everywhere. You can drive down the, and you're like, wow, another one. Um, it's literally just about as bad as uh, LA. I made a face, I made a post. It was, it was really screwed up. I said, I saw, <laughs> I go, I saw three homeless men uh, giving each other flu shots today on the side of the highway. Man, they really care about each other. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know? And, uh, you know, oh, they're sharing, they're sharing the needle, but hey, at least they got the flu shot. Um, you know, it's just so dumb, man. And it's, it's sad to see. Um, but also these people don't care, man. Uh, you know, they, they, no. they have opportunities. Uh, last year, my company was in charge of, we were paid by the city of San Diego to erect uh, temporary homeless shelters, you know, for the cold weather and everything. And so we did, mm -hmm. uh, we had a lot of rains and we did, and they stayed empty. We got paid to come back and take them down. Uh, these people don't want help. Uh, they go out and they can hustle. These guys, if, if average, make three to five dollars every stoplight. Times that by every three minutes, that stoplight changes, right? So you have you have a new cycle. They can make sit high six figures tax free every year. It is it. Wow. I've seen. And they're still living on this because it goes to drugs and stuff, right? Boom, 100%, still living on the, still living on the street. And by the way, they're collecting social security. Most of them are collecting social security and most of them get uh, government subsidiaries, uh, whether it be uh, section eight housing, whether it be a whole bunch of stuff and they continually do this. And it just blows my mind and it absolutely baffles me. Um, I've seen the same, ho same homeless man, same exact guy with the same exact sign sitting on the same exact corner for the last 10 years. Um, and it says, my mom's wow. sick need help this guy sits on the same corner 10 hours a day every day seven days a week this guy racks money like <laughs> you know and his mom his sick mom comes out every now and then they're about 500 pounds a piece um yeah man you can't tell me you're 500 pounds and you're hungry doesn't work so people like me we sit out here on the east coast and i i look at i look at Maxine Waters is California too, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. So you got Maxine Waters, you have uh, Nancy Pelosi. And I look at these people in Congress and I, and I see them. I'm just interested in your opinion on this because this is what really chaps my rear end on it. You see them advocating for sanctuary cities and just opening the borders and letting everyone flow in so they could take care of them. And they promise to take care of these people. And yet the homeless in America, American citizens are beat to hell out on our own streets, but we're supposed to be protecting the immigrants coming in now. But at the same time, then I'm a little conflicted because I'm listening to what you're saying about these people making six figures and not having homes and, and spending it all on drugs. And the fact that your company went in to set up these shelters that they weren't even used, and then they, you were paid to take them down. What is the solution out there then? What do we do with these people? How, how, is there a way to actually help these people? I think Hawaii had it perfect. Hawaii gave these guys free plane tickets, go home. <laughs> like, you know, like literally <laughs> send them away. Um, 
you know, it's too lax, man. Um, let's be real. Governor Newsom, or sorry, dictator Newsom, uh, Nancy Pelosi's nephew, mind you, has driven this state into absolute poverty. You know, he gave illegal immigrants stimulus checks because he said it wasn't fair that U.S. citizens got stimulus checks. So Governor Newsom ended up taking money from the state's fund and giving it to illegal immigrants, giving them each a stimulus check of $1,250, the same amount that we got as U.S. citizens for actually paying taxes. Then add mm -hmm. this. So then, you know, uh, President Trump came in and said, hey, guys, uh, you know, I'm willing to help. I'm willing to say, here's some extra money uh, for unemployment, but you need to pick up the last kicker. This guy signs, Governor Newsom signs a bill, 540 million or some, some crap, half billion dollars for his rail system that hasn't grown a mile in over a decade. Um, and he keeps throwing money at this thing. Then he tells the federal government, oh, sorry, we don't have any money for unemployment, but then accuses President Trump and the rest of the Republicans for not helping us. Wait, time out, what? <laughs> like, it's just, it, it's baffling. He shuts down the restaurants. He's killing small business here. Um, small business still to this day, um, you know, and, and we're talking, it's the 30th of September today. Um, we're, small business is collapsing, man. Uh, California is absolutely in shambles. Uh, there's businesses closing every day. The malls are barren. Um, the streets are, you just see going out of business sales or, or shops are just completely closing. But this guy's winery is wide open. Oh, Newsom has a winery? 100%. Yep. Yeah, he has a winery that is oh uh, wide gosh. open um, when he closed all the businesses. So Newsom came out and said, all restaurants have to close and bars. Oh, by the way, and now if your bar has, uh, you can't be a bar. So technically a winery is a bar. And he goes, unless you serve food and you have to have a food menu. So this dork was serving three potato chips with wine and letting these guys get away with it. When all the other wineries around him absolutely were collapsing. He was staying open, was fully booked during July 4th weekend when he wasn't allowing anyone else to be open. Absolute sham. Uh, it's, it's not unfamiliar either, unfortunately. Out here in Pennsylvania, we have dictator Wolf and we are still dealing with a lot of the shenanigans that he's going through. And right at the beginning, when he shut down the businesses out here, magically his family cabinetry business was allowed to stay open while yes, everyone else was shut down. Uh, what is it, rules for thee but not for me? Uh, seems to be what these types of uh, guys live by. Well, luckily, um, so my business, so I have, I, I, my second venture is a, is a jujitsu gym. You can pull me up. I'm on the internet. I went famous on May the 1st. I opened my jujitsu gym. Um, I stayed, we stayed open the whole time. Um, I made the front page of the LA times, the San Diego union tribune, everything. I opened on May 1st and I said, no masks. You're not allowed to wear a mask in here and we're working out. And by the way, there's no social distancing. We're going back to regular class. Uh, and, and the guys, the other instructors, the other owners all said, good to go. We're good to go. Let's go. So we went, news showed up and news was like, oh my gosh, you guys are actually open. Absolutely. We had mm -hmm. 23 people in class on the very first day. We still have been open to this day. We haven't closed down. We're one of the only jujitsu academies in this area that's actually running at full capacity. My friend's jujitsu academy is actually running at full capacity as well. Um, but he didn't start opening. He, he was kind of more quiet. I was kind of on front street and, and that's where, the way I live life. 
you know, and I posted something on Instagram today. I said, if you don't like me, you know, you can go. Uh, so, you know, I opened up and I've gotten a lot of, a lot of positive feedback. I got some negative. I don't mm -hmm. care. Uh, haters feel me, man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Here's here's a comparison I've been throwing around, which just boggles my mind. I'm I'm sure with you acting that kind of way, uh, you know, we've kind of taken that position as a family as well. We don't put on masks unless the business says, "Hey, uh, I need you to wear a mask." Because uh, in my in my feelings is if if you have a sign that says "No shirts, no shoes, no service," like it's on the business to say if you have to. I just don't want the government forcing me to do it. But the fact is, how many times have you run into people, especially online and everything, that say, you know, you just don't care about people's lives and you're putting other people's lives in danger and you shouldn't be, you should be staying home as much as possible. Yet they're ordering from Amazon, expecting the Amazon workers to be in the warehouse packing things and then also delivering it to their house and going to everybody's house as well. They're the biggest hypocrites I've ever seen in my life. Oh man, we can go you know? deeper down that rabbit hole. Home Depot, <laughs> Walgreens. Uh, Walmart packed like a sardine can every day with all these people yeah. wanting to do these home improvements, COVID projects. Okay, I'm sorry. I took pictures and then they're wearing their mask and they're like, but you're standing right on top of somebody. <laughs> then the clerk is handling every single item, putting it down. They're going to the grocery store thinking they're safe. Okay, that clerk, you don't know where that clerk's been. Just touch everything with the nope. same gloves they just touched the other 50 clients. Get the hell out of here. I'm sorry. So, it's not even a pandemic. It's not even close to pandemic numbers. Okay, now they're saying 1 million no. people worldwide I agree. just passed. Okay, unfortunately, one death is too many. I get it. 1 million people? Okay, uh, let's talk about AIDS. 44 million people dead. Now that is a pandemic. That is something we need to take notice in. Um, well, actually, I think one of the things that you... Right. One of the things that you, uh, I, I would think that you would be on board with too, is the numbers that aren't really being talked about. And I think Trump actually brought this up in the debate last night. Depression, suicide, abuse at home, both, both from spouses and to children, uh, drug overdoses and everything. I have a strong feeling when we actually come full swing back into the economy and everything, when people actually get back into businesses, they're going to look around and go, where's Sally at? You know, I have a feeling there's oh, probably a Sally lot of dead people out there that no one even knows. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the fact that how many people are relying on other people being at home and, and no one's checking in with them and everything. And they may have been in an abusive situation that you put those two clashers together at that point. Sally's not around anymore. I wonder why, you know, well, I fell, it's just I, crazy. I those numbers are crazy. Yeah, man, I fell into this. I got a little, you know, a little lull during all this crap. Right. Um, but it luckily, you know, again, found my why shot towards it. But mm -hmm. if you look at this, so I have, I teach a lot of law enforcement officers, a lot from different agencies all over the country. And, uh, you know, I do it virtually and I do it face to face. One officer has told me in the city of San Diego, in a certain city within San Diego, there's different cities, but he's in a department, I'm not going to say his name, said domestic violence has shot 370% since the beginning of the yep. pandemic. 370%. Child abuse has shot over 900%. Child abuse. Yeah. Like, you got a drunk, alcoholic jerk that is beating a child because of school homework on Zoom. 
really? Yeah. You know, yeah. like that's what yeah. you, I'm sorry. I cried inside and, and you, it's hard to make me cry when I had to put my daughter behind a damn computer at my house in her room and say, this is how you're going to do first grade. My daughter was like, what do you mean, daddy? She's six, man. That's sick. That yeah. is sick for anybody to think that's okay. I'm sorry. But when, when 99.6% of the people that are passing have two to two or more underlying health conditions, I'm sorry. We're only at like, okay. We're at what? 200,000 people that have passed in America, right. million people worldwide. Yeah. That's sad. Okay. So we're at 0.01 of the world population. All right. We're 1 million, four point something billion. I mean, let's talk reality here. People need to, you know, stop being ostriches. And I, I post on a lot of myself, the sheeple, and there's a lot of sheeple in this world. And it's really sad to see the world is literally like just going, Oh, okay. You told me to go drink the Kool-Aid. Let me go drink the Kool-Aid. No, it ain't happening. It's crazy. And, uh, yeah. Luckily the silent majority man is, is taking over and the silent majority has come out during this. Um, you know, I think the pandemic did one really good thing, and, and I'm going to caveat this to politics real quick. But I think okay. I, I think that during this pandemic, um, you know, it really it flushed a lot of people out that, you know, used to be the quiet little silent majority. And, you know, they they would vote. Right. They'd really support Trump or they'd really support the right. And they wouldn't say or do anything. And all of a sudden, they started liking a couple posts. And then they saw the people that are loud, myself included, myself, Tito Ortiz. You know, you got Dana White. You got these big influencers that are going, hey, look, we've always been like this. We've always supported this man. We've always supported. And then they're like, yeah, well, I'm on board with you. I'm like, yo, what? You know, like, it, it's, it's, you should see. So I, I made a post on Facebook and uh, I was just in Michigan. And I, I said, by the looks of it, Biden's coming in third place during the election, right behind, by judging by yard signs alone, behind Trump and Firewood for sale. And I didn't even know Firewood for sale was running for president, but apparently Firewood for sale is in a strong second place. And that's real talk. Like, oh yeah. Go down the street, man. Yeah, these people, these people voting for Biden. I mean, it's just unbelievable that, that the, not only his family would put him in this position, but that the DNC would actually allow him to go through when there's, I, listen, my grandmother suffered from dementia. I know what dementia looks like. This guy is in the throes of it. I mean, by the end of that debate last night, he was leaning on the front of that podium, trying to stay up. He asked for a, a break every 30 minutes, you know? But back to actually your point, talking about the police officer that you talked to, uh, I'm gonna throw down with that. So I have a bunch of clients that are police officers and I was actually talking to one very small town that I visit for this. And he said, I said, I asked him in the throes of the pandemic at the beginning, how is this affecting you and your job? And he said, Chris, every other year we're dealing with maybe five suicides in this small town a year. I'm dealing with that on a weekly basis right now. And that's, he said it's it's insane to show up to that kind of stuff. Um, but I think you're right. You were talking about the this kind of awakening and everything. And it's it's one of those small hopes that I'm holding on to right now for this election is that you know there's 
there's a lot of business owners. I don't know how the hell you could be a business owner and be a Democrat and, and see all, all the taxes and regulations you have to go through, but they're out there, right? But during the shutdown right now, the last time I checked on the statistics, 55% of the biz, small businesses that closed are closing their doors for good yep. at this point in this country. And these are the same people on the left that were always saying, you know, uh, bastardizing, villainizing corporations like Walmart and Amazon for kicking out small businesses out of town. And now they're sitting there and telling you, you have to stay home and not open your business and allow it to shut down for good. And, but Walmart and Amazon is where they go to, to get all their stuff because they're the ones that are open where you have to go to. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, so I think a lot of Democrats that are business owners, I think I'm, I'm depending on them to wake up and go, you know, Governor Wolf, Governor Newsom, uh, Governor Cuomo. I hear what they're not showing on the news right now is New York City is a freaking war zone. And they're it's not showing bad. it. I don't know. It's insane there? up there. Um, so Manhattan. I, I'm right across. I work right across the river and all my clients at work in the city say if they need to go in there for work, they go in and get their stuff and get the hell out. Yeah, you don't want to go there, man. Um, so I went down Manhattan, um, you know, right in the heart. And it it it's scary. Uh, yeah, it, it's dead. And all that's out is is thieves and homeless people. And it's it, it's sad, man. Um, you know, yeah. I, 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 I got to go to Vegas uh, pool party. Yeah, that means you have to pay thousands of dollars for a cabana and you're not allowed to leave your cabana. Um, like what? You know, it, it was kind of cool to have somewhat normal, right? But, you know, people like Vegas, yeah. like here's there and the governors are trying so hard to give people, you know, a taste of real life back. Um, but you have these, you know, Como and, and everybody else really going out and just destroying lives. And it is so sad, man. And I, it, it, it yeah. kills me in Washington, D.C., crap we were we were in dc and uh you know last weekend oh geez man there you couldn't even find a bar to be open it was like what yep so kind of going off of that not only do you have what i hope to be small business owners waking up and voting for trump saying this is ridiculous we need to open the economy back up we can do this under standards from the cdc if required just to get our our business flowing again we can require certain things to be done in certain ways just let us back open again right then you also have what i think you might want to chime in on too which is these riots and Black Lives Matter and Antifa things happening all over the country with minority neighborhoods being burned to the ground, mostly by white liberals, I would say, uh, from Antifa and everything. And I think a lot of people, well, first of all, I think that took the Second Amendment debate off the table for the next decade. Because the question was always, what do you need an AR-15 for? Now the country knows what you need an AR-15 for. Because when the police are being defunded and, and abolished and being called for that, there's no one there to protect you except for you at that point. So that's exactly why we need an AR-15 in our hands. Uh, and that's just an appetizer to what I think should be in your arsenal. But, <laughs> but at the same time, so people are waking up to the fact that these, these cities are, are burning to the ground. And it wasn't until the polls showed the Democrats were losing on that argument that they actually yep. came out and finally said within the last two weeks, uh, Biden, listen, last night was the first time I heard Biden denounce violence. It was Nancy Pelosi, I think within the last two weeks, 
but that was all because of the polls. So I think there's all this awakening of what's going on in this country with the virus, the pandemic, the violence going on, the fact that most of this stuff, and it's not all, but most of this stuff is happening in 99% democratically run cities. Well, well, and yeah, go for it. Go for it. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, I'm depending on these people. Yeah, I know. I I just think I'm I'm praying that these people are going to be the red. I'm hoping that 2020 is a red pilled moment where they wake up and go, this is ridiculous. And what they're saying about all this stuff, I'm done with it. You know? Well, okay. A lot of stuff to jab around here. (laughs) But let's look at it this way. Every city that is burning to the ground literally is democrat ran democrat power and democrat owned for the most part right absolutely ridiculous last night at the debate i don't know about you but president trump has already stated has already signed executive orders has already put down that antifa is a is a terrorist organization as mm-hmm. is the KKK. Along with the KKK. As is white supremacy groups are all terrorist organizations. Biden, Vice, oh, sorry, Vice President Biden, because everybody likes to you know throw that out there, um, likes to say that they're a thing and a thought. I'm sorry. I don't know any terrorist organizations. That's like saying Saddam Hussein was just a thought or just a, a thing. No. An idea. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah an idea. Uh, an idea. My bad. My bad. I'm so fired no, up over sorry. this topic. Now, <laughs> I know. <laughs> let's look and and dissect this a little bit more into your thought. And your thought was, why do we need the Second Amendment? Second Amendment is easy to show you. Look in Texas. Look in Texas when two terrorists a couple of years ago tried to tried to run up on a uh, they tried to run up on the recruiting office. They were shot. Look in Arizona. They try to overrun all these little white liberals like to overrun these cars and start to cause property damage and threaten the safety of an individual. And mind you, fire first at somebody and then wonder why old boy catches three rounds. Just saying. I know. Let's look at Wisconsin. It's it's amazing. (laughs) I mean, look at Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. when you go to Wisconsin, that's my home state. And I am dead proud of Wisconsin. Wisconsin has militia laws, militia laws that have been there since the 1800s that say a 16 year old is allowed to pick up arms and protect local businesses if it's being overran. What happened? All these little assholes decided it was fun and games and they actually fired at him first and then wonder why Asshole took second place at the quick draw competition in Wisconsin. Then, you know, they, they, you know, this kid literally, I want to know where he's jailed and I want to get his address. I want to send this man some money on his books. I mean, I'm sorry, my personal views, this man is a martyr for why the second amendment's needed. This man was trying to help. This kid was trying to help somebody at their gas station, save their gas station from violent protesters running a burning trash can into said individual's thing, was shot at, returned fire, and killed somebody. A child molester, mind you. Then, mm-hmm. second guy hits him, 
He's trying to run to cops and turn himself in and say, look, I shot somebody. He's running down the road, gets violently attacked with a deadly weapon, gets attacked with a skateboard, hit in the back of the head. He falls. Said individual jumps on him, tries to grab the weapon and wonders why he catches two rounds, walks four feet and collapses. Violent felon with warrants out yeah. for him. Third individual comes up with a pistol in his hand, tries to grab his weapon and then catches around and then goes, oh, and he's wearing that paramedic hat. Best comedy ever. He's wearing a paramedic hat. Is it? Is that the guy that got his hand blown uh, or arm? Yeah, uh, was it his yeah. arm? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's wearing a paramedic that a, hat. That was a hell of a wound. Yeah. Paramedic hat gets his arm blown off while holding a weapon. Says he he meant no harm. You know he's a violent felon with open warrants. And isn't that the case with all these individuals? Like you know, listen. You know, I think most. The thing that drives me nuts about the whole George Floyd thing is I don't think anyone in America was going to the defense of the guy that was putting his knee on his neck for over no. eight minutes. You know what no, I mean? I didn't. No one said no one said that that was the right thing to do. Uh, and I don't believe in bringing up a person's past if it doesn't deal directly with that day. But all right. these people that these people are holding up are, as martyrs are cr- are criminals. I mean, by and large, I, I don't know of any that they're holding up right now that don't have an extensive criminal past. Is Brianna Taylor is the only one that didn't have an extensive criminal history. But the people she associated herself with, i.e. the boyfriend, yes. the yeah. violent drug dealer who was who who shot a cop before a return fire and ended up accidentally killing Brianna Taylor, which is very sad. But you know what? She put herself in yeah. that situation and dumbass shot a cop. Like, and all these people are burning down a city because he shot a police officer and wonders why, oh, why'd they shoot four rounds at me? Well, let me add this up for you, bud. Um, so, I mean, that's the only one that didn't have a criminal history. Yeah, it, it's uh, our mutual acquaintance that we know. I had this discussion with him and I said, and the details were obviously foggy from everything that was going around the media while well, the different sources were saying and everything. And I was trying to lay out the, the situation on how she got shot and yeah it you know it's a it's a messed up situation but she wouldn't have been in that situation if she didn't surround herself with criminals the way she she did especially that closely like hey listen we all have friends probably that are you know either past criminals or current criminals and everything but listen you're not you're not sleeping in the same apartment with them or you're you're gonna expect something to go down i'm sorry i was raised never to hang out with or do anything I wasn't a willing to do the time for of the person or what I was doing. That's a good rule. That's a good rule. Um, Okay. So one of the topics brought up last night, actually, let me backtrack. You had mentioned that you're friends with Tim Kennedy. Tim Kennedy was recently on the Joe Rogan podcast. I was listening to it and he brought up a really interesting point. If we could bring this back to the military, which will also tie into the debates that we watched last night, which is um, he had said that under the Obama administration, now you weren't serving under the Obama administration, but you certainly know people that were, that the the funding for our military was at about a third of what it is now under Trump. And you know, you look at the statistics, especially the accomplishment list of Trump and being able to give the military what they need 
and releasing them to do what they're they're there to do and just demolishing ISIS so quickly. I mean, funding has a lot to do with what you guys are doing when you're actually in action, right? Well, let's look at it this way. Funding, right, for war times. Under the Obama-Biden administration, there was 1,758 deaths and over 18,000 injuries serving overseas, right? Trump comes in. And this is ROEs, funding, a whole bunch of stuff, rules of engagement. There's a whole bunch of stuff all accumulates into why, right? Then Trump comes in, goes back to, you know, kind of Bush administration, ROEs, uh, goes in and, and, and ups the funding. You know, up until I think last week, there, I don't know that I got I to gotta look up the updated statistics. 63 deaths in the first four years of his presidency and only 452 injuries. Wow, that's crazy. That's I didn't even know those numbers. Yeah. 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 Fraction. You know, you know that uh I I told you that you know the suicides jumped more, you know, the suicides jumped by six under the Biden Obama era. Yeah, uh, re- revisit those numbers with me so that they can hear it as well, though. Yeah, no worries. So basically, Biden Obama under their administration and they're cutting of funding to the DOD to the VA of faith-based treatment. The suicide rate mm-hmm. went from 16 a day under Bush, Clinton, and Bush Sr., 16 a day of veterans, which is way too many, all the way up to 22 in under three mm-hmm. years. First term. It, you, you didn't hear about yeah. that one on the news. They don't say that. You know, it, it's, it, it's Obama signed executive orders basically removing faith-based treatment in the VA and the DOD. It, he basically pushed and implemented uh, ways for them to use pharmaceutical companies as cures versus faith-based stuff. What happens when you pump somebody full of drugs? Duh, they get more depressed and they try to kill themselves. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's what happened. So you brought up the term rules of engagement. That's actually something that I wanted to go over with you. Why don't you briefly describe what rules engage of engagement actually applies to in the military? And if you want to talk about it, what it was under the Obama administration and what was causing so many issues, and now what the Trump administration did to reverse that to give our soldiers uh, more leniency to actually get the job done. Yes. So basically, rules of engagement is how can I engage the enemy? How can I engage you? Right. Um, So when I served under the Bush administration, you know, there was a rule that was going around. You know, it's not well said, but if it had hair, it died. Um, If it showed a threat, kill it. Uh, Easy. Right. Um, My friends who served on the Biden Obama era, very well knowing that the handcuffs and the mothers of America basically put handcuffs on these guys and made them not be able to fire at anybody. Literally, these are stories that I've heard from frontline soldiers and Marines is you had to have a gun pointed at you and fire at you before you could fire back. And now you could carry a gun. I couldn't do anything to you. You could carry a gun and point it at me. I couldn't do anything to you because if I did, I was charged with murder. I was, I was court-martialed. Now these are stories. I don't, I, you know, I, I have, I'd have to dig into it. Um, this is all hearsay, but this is hearsay from very valid sources and is really yeah. scary. When Trump came in, Trump took those handcuffs off and said, Hey, look, if it shows a threat, take it out. It's easy, right? So like, literally president trump's done more in the four years for our military and veterans than any other president in 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 my history 
since I've been alive and I've been alive for a couple of good presidents, you know? And, and, you know, if you look, you know, all the presidents like Trump is saying, Hey, look, I support veterans. Hey, look, I've done X, Y, Z. I've, I've upped the VA funding highest VA funding ever under any presidential, um, you know, cabinet. Cool. He's done a lot, you know, just phenomenal things for the veterans. But Biden is like, I mean, you look at commercials and this guy is like solely putting 90% of his like eggs in one basket, the veteran community. I'm sorry. That's not where you put your eggs in the basket. There's only 20 million veterans in the United States of America, 20 million, like 20 million ain't going to win you an election, bud. not only that, but 90% yeah. of us we don't like you. We, we, we love our guns and we like our freedom too much to like you and socialism. We do not like socialism. You might as well go hang out with Bernie and OAC and just, in, 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 just go, go on whatever, you know, uh, you know, last night it was absolutely perfect during the debate. If you noticed when asked about the coronavirus and asked if you believe scientists, vice president Biden said, Oh, absolutely. We need to, we need to believe the scientists. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Moderator goes, <laughs> I remember this, yeah. but, but your vice president nominee or your hopeful says she doesn't support the scientists. Well, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm sorry. If you ask Trump or you ask Pence anything, they're on, boom. They're, you know, bop, 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 mm -hmm. same, same kill. I'm sorry. If you run, you should know. And I felt really bad. I actually wrote somebody and I said, I, I personally think there should be a nursing home caretaker waiting for Biden to take him off on the side of the stage. I felt bad for the man. Like, so do I, yeah, all the time. Hard ass conservative. I'm being for real. I personally yeah. felt bad for the man. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he obviously did work very hard and trained for this debate because if you notice Biden on the campaign stops when he's going around, when anyone challenges him, it's, oh, you want to do push-ups against me? Do you want to take this outside? And he, he like instantly flies off the handle and everything. But last night, what I saw with him was when he hit that point, he closed his eyes, took a deep breath and just like let it out. Oh, he did a good job with that. He, he kept himself under control. But if Trump had just... I was a little dis I was very disappointed in Trump. I got to be honest with you. You know, the uh, not following along with the rules of cutting off, because I'll be honest with you. If he had just let Biden talk for the two minutes he was given after 30 seconds, he would have gone off the rails and not known what he actually started talking about. You know? But he kept on giving him the chance to jump back on. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's like, I was hoping at this he would point, just have this like complete shit show, like, there are kittens moment you know like yeah. I was oh i know he did he did did you oh, <laughs> i yeah, can't believe did. no one's talked about this today because he was talking about how um asians and hispanics and now they're driving cars and i'm like yeah like I you was, didn't hear that like, <laughs> I was like oh, shit. hey here i looked at the room because we had a big uh, viewing party i looked at the room i was like did you guys know that hispanics are driving now this is crazy like, like, you hey, know Biden. I'm gonna let you in on a secret. Women can vote. Yeah. <laughs> By um, the way, for all of your conservative followers, 
you know, this year is very monumental in the Republican Party. I don't know if anybody knows this. This year is 100 years since women are able to vote thanks to the Republican Party. You know, it was shot down by every single Democrat and it was voted on three different times. It was a Republican Senate and House that was able to get it passed 100 years ago. Was it, was it Woodrow Wilson president at the time? Oh, geez. Golly. I don't know. Yeah, 19- he yeah, was, he so. was a... I, I, if I'm getting my uh, dates right on when if he would have been in office, right, I think so. yeah, he was terrible. He was one of the worst presidents, uh, oh, one of the direction. worst presidents. There, there's actually a president that only served 33 days. So let's talk about real things. Uh, who was that? Golly, I got a somebody posted. They were making was it John Taylor? No, not Taylor. Yeah, they were trying to troll me, and it didn't work well. <laughs> um, somebody posted. That's okay. So. Keep talking. I'll While you're talking about that, we'll we'll keep up. Yeah, we'll go into uh, a little bit more on the debates because I'm interested in your thoughts there. The the one thing that I had mentioned on the pre-debate show that I did last night is that Trump, I well, actually, no, let me backtrack here because I think the result of what happened last night leading up to the debate, Nancy Pelosi has been saying that it's beneath the dignity of the Democratic Party to, party to even entertain going in, into a debate with Trump. And Obviously, those of us that are paying attention and know that this guy is suffering clearly from dementia know that she was just trying to save him the hassle of having to mentally compete against the president on stage without a teleprompter and everything. But now I really feel like this, this, I was not happy with what happened last night with Trump. I really think that it's given uh, the Biden campaign the opportunity to come out and say, uh, no, it's you know, we gave him one shot. It's below our dignity now to continue this and do two more debates and everything. I think that he is going to back out. I think that the smartest move right now would be for the Trump campaign to immediately, they should have done it today, come out and say, listen, uh, the media, we have a string of media clips right now showing that every even in the media they're saying that biden shouldn't continue to do the other two debates nancy pelosi saying it the biden campaign saying it i am coming out right now publicly and saying that whether biden is there or not i will be there at the debates right and it it it's a master plan and here's why it opens the door that if the media that uh is putting on nbc and i think it's c-span is the next one if they back out because Biden back at, backs out, they the Trump campaign could come after them and say, listen, hey, even if Biden doesn't show up, you have an hour and a half to put the president's feet to the fire and ask him any questions that you want. And you're backing out on that opportunity in front of the country. Now the media looks bad and the Biden campaign looks bad, right? 100%. And I think the next step that he should do is immediately call Joe Rogan and schedule a time to be there for that debate as well and show up no matter what for that one too. Just show up and do your thing. I, and I, 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 everything yep. you said is my thoughts tenfold. Yeah, I, I, I hope that they do come out and, and start thinking about this. So did you find your answer there? I didn't. I, I was trying. There was some president that did it. Yeah, it was it was way way back uh, back in the back in the day. That's okay. So, prior to this debate last night, what did you think Trump needed to do to come out and address 
in this debate to really win people over that. I don't really think there's many people that are undecided, to be honest with you at this point. But if yeah, he yeah. were to play to those people, who were what would what did you want him to focus on last night? I think he just needs to prove and, and show that, you know, this guy that he is a uh, sorry, I'm just walking to another room. I got it. I got dinner. <laughs> um, oh, but, I'm uh, sorry. No, you're good. I, I think he he did well and and painted himself in a perfect uh, in a perfect way. Unfortunately, I think let me turn on the light. Unfortunately, I think that you know I think President Trump needed to uh, hit a little more on actual like actual facts. And it's not trying to you know be mean to President Trump, but unfortunately, I think President Trump you know he worked too much off of the Hillary Clinton attacks that worked. I mean perfect right um unfortunately he kind of he kind of went in and tried to attack 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 and i, I liked it but i think it might have scared some of the left that that could have been flipped um you know i think i think that was a, a fearful thing for some people um not all but you know some might have gotten scared from that and and that's scary to think that somebody can get scared from that but i think overall he did well um people saw that you know we have a president that won't stand for no shit and you know just did you know did exactly what's on his mind and and talked his talked his mind and i i, I fully support that everybody's getting a tour of my house too <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> well i actually so to go along with your point there i think one of the things that was upsetting to me in in regards to this is that if the left is pushing this narrative that he's a bully, he kind of played into it last night. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he, he showed him the hey, moderator. Look, like, oh, I can, you know, and that was the only thing is cutting and cutting him off every other second was was like, stop, stop, please stop. I was like, you know, it's just almost. Yeah. It was almost like you know nobody needs that. Um, it was funny a few times, but a few times you're like, oh, bro, stop, you know. Yep. Yep. Uh, the the other thing I would say too, in regards to that, was the fact that um, oh, I just had it too. Oh, the accomplishments. You were talking about accomplishments. Yep. Listen, I, I'll be honest with you. So when when he was running in 2016, I thought he was going to be a demo, uh, He was a Democrat in disguise because he hung out with all the dem the elite yeah. Democrats. You know what I mean? And the only reason why I voted for him was because of Scalia dying, oh. and I have since become a Trump fan. And when you look at the list of achievements that this guy has done in the first term that he served, that the people on the left don't get any idea of because of the way that the media portrays it. it it's like you said, if he could just focus on those achievements, there's not many things in those achievements down. that the disagree with. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, I mean, good luck. <laughs> literally uh you can't he you're not gonna win and you're gonna lose every argument yep it looks like are you getting ready to get going do you need to get going i i, I yeah i have a <laughs> I, I i i would love to keep talking and i would love to come back uh, unfortunately uh i've expired by time <laughs> okay how about i ask you one more question and then i'll let you go okay yep if you you were said that you ran for office before, yeah. Let's say you get get into your dream position as a politician, right? What should a politician like yourself be focusing on to help veterans at this point? What is it oh, that absolutely. the government needs to do to step up? 
Uh, draining the swamp at the VA, 100%. Um, I, I believe the D, I am a firm believer the VA needs to be defunded. I think the VA is three different uh, categories. There's a research, an administrative, and a healthcare. I think the administrative and the healthcare need to be 100% defunded and uh, privatized immediately. It would save the VA over $2 billion a year privatizing healthcare. Um, I think that the research brand of the VA should stay wide open. The research uh, that the VA does every year has absolutely exponentially helped America with vaccines, with, with you know cures, with a bunch of good things. So keep that going defund the administrative side, which is absolutely worthless. There's dozens of uh, staff members for every one veteran and they don't do crap. We still wait for months. Um, healthcare is absolute junk. There's no reason why my spouse should get better healthcare um, through the VA uh, 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 program that I served this country for. She gets better healthcare than I do. Mm. That's an absolute sham and an absolute sad thing. Absolutely. Well, Shane, listen, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And trust me, if you you have my number now and everything, if you ever want to come back on, just talk about politics. If you want to do I'd love to. any other topic, you are more than welcome to just reach out to me and let me know when you want to come back on. I'd be happy to have you. Um, thank you for joining me tonight. And uh, thank you for your service as well. And, and for all that you do for the veteran community. Okay. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I know. I will be reaching back out to you. We got a, you know, a good strong last 35 day push and uh, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be back on hopefully before that. All right. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate everybody joining us tonight. Thank you again to Shane for joining us. Uh, Listen, check him out on YouTube. Go follow him on social media as well. Uh, and while you're at it, if you could go to the Generation Y Conservative on YouTube and hit subscribe there and the bell notification for notification of when uh, we release new videos. It's, it's all interview formats now. We're not doing the daily uh, uh, topics like we used to. Um, also find me on Facebook, the Generation Y Conservative and on Twitter at Gen Y Conservative without the E on the end. Thank you guys for joining me tonight. Have a great night and God bless America.